Three things before we get started today. First, a quick heads up. This episode is going to be longer than usual. I typically target around 10 minutes for our core weekly episodes. This one may get close to 20 minutes. Second, we've added a video version of the podcast on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is called Disability Democracy. Check it out. We mainly did this so we could add captioning to our episodes for anyone in our audience who is hearing impaired. We do also have a transcript or script for every episode at disabilitydemocracy.org. If there is anything we can do to make this podcast or our website more accessible to you or others, send me a note at steve at notwithoutus.org. Finally, I've had some feedback that some folks don't love our sound design, so I'll be changing it around a bit. Let me know what you think or anything else about the podcast at steve at notwithoutus.org. I hurried to finish Judith Human's memoir, Being Human, in time for the 30th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act on July 26, 2020. She subtitled her memoir, An Unrepentant Memoir of a Disabilities Rights Activist. She had to. While we all know the names of the leading civil rights activists, including the late John Lewis, unless you follow disability rights, you wouldn't know who Judith Human is, though her story and her role in the history of disability rights is quite similar to his. I'm your host, Stephen Davis, and welcome to the fourth episode of Disability Democracy Radio. This weekly podcast is about practical actions we can take, that you can take, to make a difference in your community. The goal of Disability Democracy Radio is to accelerate the disability community revolution. Find out more at disabilitydemocracy.org. I am not a great reviewer for Judith Human's book, Being Human. I came to it with an agenda. I have been trying to understand what the frell happened to disability rights. How did we get where we are? what happened, and perhaps more importantly, what didn't happen. And the book both did and didn't answer my question. I first stumbled upon Judith Human in one of my many web searches on some random disability rights topic. It was a TED Talk Judy gave about her life as an activist. She told a compelling story, and she tells it well. Judy Human's life experience has followed the disability rights movement here in the U.S., and it is worth reviewing as too many of us don't know disability history at all. Here are some highlights, but you should still check out her video or read the book. Judy had polio as a baby during one of the last major polio outbreaks in the 1940s and has used a wheelchair since. Her parents chose not to institutionalize her, Institutionalization was a standard option for families who had children with disabilities until depressingly recently. Her mother had to fight for her to go to school. Most schools were not accessible, and only a fraction of kids with disabilities were allowed in school at all. Then Judy and her mom had to fight again to actually be educated. Judy went to college, 
wanted to be a teacher, but had to hide that fact since the system thought she couldn't get a job as a teacher. And the rehab people were partially right, as she had to fight the state of New York to get her teacher's license. Getting a job became another problem. Based on her early activism, she was invited to Berkeley, California, the hub of the emerging disability rights movement in the U.S. She was a leading figure in the protests in San Francisco to get the regulations that implemented Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act enacted in 1973. This was the first major piece of disability rights legislation passed in the U.S., these protests were probably the first time disability rights hit the national headlines. She later became the Assistant Secretary of Education for Special Education and Rehabilitative Services during the Clinton administration, and she was the Special Advisor on International Disability Rights during the Obama administration. And throughout, Judy had leading roles in the alphabet soup of disability rights organizations. Quite a life, quite a story. I loved her TED Talk, but it was not a great book. Just a reminder that full episode transcripts and additional resources are available at disabilitydemocracy.org. We welcome your comments, feedback, and suggestions. Let us know how we can make Disability Democracy Radio more accessible and actionable for you. I read a lot but I am not a huge fan of memoirs. Most of them seem to be written by people who haven't done much of interest to anyone except them or their therapist. This is not the case with being human. Judy Human has done significant things and has led an interesting life. So what went wrong with the book? The problem is the book is in a fight with itself. On one hand, it is a partial capsule history of the U.S. disability rights movement, from the stealth incorporation of Section 504 into the Rehabilitation Act, through the battle to get it implemented, and ultimately the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. It is a story that is very interesting and not nearly as known as it should be. And it is great to have the perspective of someone who was on the front lines for much of it. On the other hand, it is the personal memoir of a woman who has had an amazing career and lived with a major physical disability. And perhaps the biggest problem is that Judy is too polite. There are hints of fire. Judy rarely talks about her caregivers, which I found interesting in itself except she spent a colorful half-page on the failure of an aide she hired when she came to D.C. to be Assistant Secretary of Education. The person failed to show up. Repeatedly. Clearly, this woman really ticked Judy off. And she talks at some length about sexism within the disability rights movement and really recriminates herself for not challenging the men. What is it like to have a caregiver, someone who takes care of many of your physical needs? Tell me more. What is it like to work in and lead the disability rights movement, much less as a woman? I want to know. Too polite? I definitely wanted to hear more. Perhaps a glass of wine, maybe a bottle. 
Then, abruptly, love and marriage. Chapter 10 of 12, page 172 of 211. Right. Judy is a person, not just an activist. She spends some time talking about her courtship and marriage, which came fairly late in her life, something I understand. On one hand, she is obviously very in love and happy with her husband, George. But we had previously heard little about her personal life after her childhood. Her memoirs were somewhat impersonal. Little discussion of friends, relationships, her life outside of work, at least once she was an adult. Actually, little of what it was like to be a disabled woman. How does that feel? How does it work? How does work work? What is typical? What is different? What is it like to be human? It almost felt like her publisher pushed her to add some personal stuff in during the edit process, so they added a chapter. Speaking of which, the oddest hole in the book was the lack of pictures, especially in a memoir or biography. I always look for that center section of photographs. 10 or 12 pages of mom, dad, school days, social life, husband, children, notable events. Nothing. Cheap publisher? A concern about privacy? I don't know. It kind of hurt. After all her stories, I wanted to see her mom. A petite woman like Judy who fought hard for her to get an education and her dad who had to carry her onto stage so she could receive an award when she graduated from high school. Heck, George, the guy who she is so obviously in love with and married. Nothing professional or activist related. No pictures of her 504 protest in San Francisco or testifying before Congress. No pictures of her with Clinton or Obama. Finally, we don't get to see much about the inside of the disability rights movement. Again, there are glimmers. The real efforts to include people of all disabilities in the planning meetings going on during the occupation of the San Francisco Office of Health, Education, and Welfare. Giving people with cognitive and communication disabilities as much time as they needed to speak. Names are dropped, but little is shared about the challenges to bring people with different disabilities together or a real exploration of their issues. How did they organize? Why all of the groups? Who were the key players, known and unknown? What happened to them in the movement? What worked? What didn't? I really wanted to know. More about Judy. More about the disability rights movement. Is this unfair? My bottom line on Judith Human's book, Being Human, it has real shortcomings, but absolutely read it. We have far too few windows into the U.S. disability rights movement. We know too little about the struggle and the people who struggled and continue to struggle. If I've turned you off of the book, at least check out one of Judy's TED Talks. If you have other books to recommend on disability rights history, let me know so I can share them. I do think her story would make an awesome graphic novel. Finally, did being human satisfy my own agenda, finding out what happened to disability rights?
One of Judy's early anecdotes as a girl is spending more than an hour on the special education bus going around the city, picking up disabled kids. Even the school was only 15 minutes from her home. This was in the early 1950s. She tells this story both in her TED Talk and her book. It hit me like a brick. When I took my autistic son to his first week of special education in January of 2017, there was a special education bus that showed up, sometimes 15 or 20 minutes before school started. We came around 30 minutes early after dropping my daughter off at her school. We stood outside a separate locked gate with some of the other special ed parents and their kids. While the general education students could go through the main gate and play on the playground until school started, we waited. For our kids, it was mostly okay. They found a way to play at the entrance. Kids always find a way. The parents talked. But not so for the kids on the special education bus. They sat, watching. Some of them may have been on that bus for an hour or more. By the way, one of the special education services that you are pointedly offered is transportation. They sent my wife and I the information package for uh, the bus later in the fall of 2017. It was for a 7 a.m. pickup for an 8.30 a.m. start for our then four-year-old son. No way. I had seen what that bus was like. There was no way I was going to do that to him. But I also know that I had the luxury and choice of taking him to school every day. This was in 2017, decades later, after Section 504 was implemented, decades after the Individual with Disabilities Education Act, after the ADA. We're still on the short bus, and too many of us are still separate. Parents routinely still fight for real education for their kids with disabilities. Lots of us hire lawyers or advocates. When kids turn into adults, things don't get better. Employment rates are at 15%. We still have sheltered workshops. Still have a sub-minimum wage. You did know that people with disabilities are excluded from our minimum wage laws, didn't you? I sure didn't when we, this started. Deep stigma, housing problems, health care, the list goes on and on and on. Virtually all the things Judy talked about, starting with her own experiences in the early 1950s and through her activist career in the 60s and on to today, they're still there. What happened? What hasn't happened? I still don't know. But there are hints in Judy's book. Section 504 was slipped into the Rehabilitation Act, but the bigger fight was in the implementing regulations. The ADA was passed quickly in the Senate, but faced numerous amendments to weaken it in the House. Bureaucratic death by a thousand cuts. Judy notes that she got her teacher's license through a court case, but also notes that she was lucky. 
She had one of the first African-American women judges in the U.S. who had been active in the civil rights movement. This was and is not always the case, even more so today with an increasingly conservative court system. Judy notes that cost was never part of previous civil rights debates. But disability rights advocates are on the alert whenever the rhetoric of burdensome regulations arises. If you are disabled, burdensome regulations often means you. Few people come out and say they are against disability rights. Instead, the devil comes out in the details, the regulations, the budgets, the schedules, the waivers. America's churches managed to exempt themselves from the ADA. Yep, our churches made damn sure they don't have to make their houses of God accessible to those who have disabilities. Healthcare rationing sounds sensible unless your very life is being rationally rationed away. There is so much deep-seated stigma. There is so much cynical mouthings about inclusion and so little action. The cultural, political, and community pieces of disability rights haven't gelled yet for some reason. Maybe because the early fight wasn't hard enough or long enough to pull the community together. It took more than a century for women and African Americans to get their rights, and their struggle continues. Maybe the stakes weren't extreme enough. The AIDS crisis brought the LGBT community together. Maybe things were so bad before they started, and this was just as far as they could go on that first step. We don't yet have a real mass movement for disability rights. We have thousands, tens of thousands, millions of individual battles separate from each other, fighting alone or huddled in small groups. Was it our own divisions, our own discriminatory hierarchy of disability? I don't know. All I know is that we need to find the answer. This episode of Disability Democracy Radio was sponsored by Not Without Us. Not Without Us is a 501c4 mutual benefit corporation. Our goal is equality for all disabled adults and kids with disabilities. You can learn more about our work at notwithoutus.org. Our strategy is built on democratic action, whether it is providing support for disability organizations and allies through our directory at disabilitydemocracy.org, training aspiring local candidates for office, endorsing candidates, or directly working on issues. We'd like to thank Diane Pappen and Steve Yoda for their contributions to Not Without Us. You can support Not Without Us with an annual, monthly, or one-time donation at notwithoutus.org join. If you have any questions or comments on this episode, visit disabilitydemocracy.org. You can email us leave a comment, or even a voice message. I'm Stephen Davis, and on behalf of Not Without Us, we think that democracy comes not from a vote every two years, but from the actions we can take every day.